Learning happens everywhere all the time. Hey there and welcome to the Homeschool Success Podcast. I am your host, Cami Wanis, the Freedom Scholar. My experience as a veteran homeschool mom, former public high school teacher, and mentor to homeschool families everywhere, along with periodic guests, will help you to create the homeschool experience you always wanted and your family deserves. Homeschooling is a leap of faith that can cause doubts, overwhelm, and uncertainty while trying to keep love of learning high and balance life, work, and kids. Each episode is packed with the strategies, tips, activity ideas, and resources you need to ensure your kids get a great education, create close family relationships, become good leaders, and have tons of fun. You'll learn everything from scheduling, curriculum, routines, and homeschooling multiple ages to increasing love of learning and everything in between. This podcast is different from anything else out there by also focusing on the thinking shifts that are the key to homeschooling successfully. Whether you're new to homeschooling or a seasoned veteran, make sure to subscribe so you'll gain the practical strategies and confidence you need to develop a rich love of learning culture and environment that results in passionate, lifelong learners. More than ever before, leaders are needed who have a great education and who use their unique talents and gifts to make this world better. Join me on my mission to raise our next generation of leaders through ensuring your family has a supportive and inspiring homeschool journey. Homeschooling is learning through life. You got this. everyone and welcome to the homeschool success podcast with cami wanis and i have a super amazing guest today chris rumble is here with us and he is so awesome he's going to share with us a lot about homeschooling and how it can actually make you successful like how the skills you learn homeschooling actually help you in the real world today and he is awesome. I'm going to tell you about him a little bit, but he's super successful. He went to college. He got a in corporate. He was successful there. And then he's a multi-entrepreneur now. I say multi-entrepreneur. Is that even the right word? <laughs> um, it feels like the right word. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like the right word. Multiple businesses anyways. Multiple businesses. Yeah. So awesome, you guys. This is going to be super fun. So first thing I want to do is I want to... Um, just go ahead and talk about why people have such hesitation about homeschooling sometimes. You know, everybody's, it's what we're used to, right? We were always talking about, oh, we're used to public schooling and we're used to like going straight to college and then getting the job or whatever. But we're not sure if homeschooling is going to get us to that place, right? And so that's what I want to focus on is making sure that we know after today that we are going to get our kids to su success wherever they end up being, you know, whether it be entrepreneur, you know, having a corporate job, whatever the case, and they're going to be totally fine. And I know that that is my jam. That's my message all the time to you guys. Is that you are going to set your kids up for success, even more so possibly than they were when they went to school. And so that is, everybody always says, I'm going to mess my kids up. I don't want them to fail. I don't want to fail them. You know, I want to make sure they're going to be able to do whatever they want in the future. And they will, because the keys to homeschooling, 
part of the skills that are not academic necessarily in terms of knowledge are the skills that you need for being successful in the world, right? So, and Chris is going to tell us all about that. So Chris, can you just kind of give us a little background on just like how you were, you know, you were homeschooled or just kind of introduce yourself a little bit to us? Yeah. So I was homeschooled K through 12. I am the oldest of four kids. So I was the test shot for my parents. I got to, um, they got to try every decision they made on me first, which was, which was fun. Um, they, they're great people. I have a great relationship with my parents to this day, live about an hour away from uh, them out there on their farm, but they got into homeschooling, um, actually through (laughs) a well-known cult, but luckily they, they didn't stick with the cult. They were like, this is a little weird, but they kept the homeschooling part. And so, um, I ended up growing up in rural, not rural, suburban Kansas, which feels rural to most people, three acres. We had some horses. Uh, my grandma gave me the little house on the prairie books uh, and she would get us Lego sets and uh, my parents would buy me books all the time, especially classic literature. And I just grew up reading, playing outside, exploring the stream, exploring the neighbor's pond, uh, walking through the harvested soybean fields and just kind of reenacting the adventures of Laura Ingalls and uh, the other literary heroes that I had. Um, I didn't have too many friends outside of church. That was the one thing that I didn't really like that much, but um, it, I turned out okay. Uh, and I still have great relationships today. And some of those friends that I made actually ended up being like lifelong friends. So um, it's the quality, not the quantity, right? Yeah. I love that you're, I didn't know you were from Kansas. My dad's from Kansas. He's from Garden City, Kansas. No kidding. I've been there. Like five people have been there. I've been there. I know, right? (laughs) That's hilarious. That's awesome. I love that. And, And so how did, when we talk about, you know, being homeschooled K through 12, you were homeschooled back in a time when like homeschooling was not like a popular thing at all. It was, even when I started with my son, it was just something that not a very many people did, but this was a time when you were homeschooling, it was really like, wow, that was like, not, that was, that was not a thing. It was a revolutionary act. And my, my mom was always a little bit paranoid that the state would make her stop. Yes. Yeah. And I love your parents. Give them high fives for me. Thank them for us because man, they are pioneers. (laughs) They are pioneers and I love it. And those people are the ones that laid the foundation for all the rest of us. And so I love what you were talking about in terms of how you were homeschooled, because it sounds like it was like a mixture between classical education and then also unschooling. (laughs) So we didn't even know what unschooling was, but they would make sure to get us like some grade level stuff. Usually like three or four grades above where I was at. Cause like the younger grade stuff could be hard to find. And so I was, I was always punching above my weight with uh, the curriculum I was uh, reading. And I got used to a certain level of difficulty and uh, just like how many times I would have to reread something to understand it. She took us, my mama took us to um, standardized testing. And like when I was eight, like every single subject I tested in the college level um on all of it at eight years old and That's she's awesome. super proud of that as she should be Absolutely. and it's not because i'm awesome or anything i just uh, didn't have anything better to do other than work on what was <laughs> in front Kansas, of me man <laughs> yeah no offense to the kansas people <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious i love that and look the quality of what you were reading too you were reading classic books 
you were reading the things that were difficult, especially at your age, right? So you were reading things that were really something that was on a higher literary level, not just in thinking, but also in terms of language and in examples. And I love that. That's what having classic, um, not that you have to read everything that's an old book, because just because it's a classic, it doesn't mean it has to be old. It just means something you, you learn something from every single time you read it. So when he's saying like, you know, I reread all these books over and over again to understand them, he's also gaining stuff every single time he reads it, which is super cool. Oh my goodness. It was like reliving. Uh, I would live in the world of the book that I was reading. My favorite when I was a kid was The Yearling, which wasn't super old of a book, but um, it was about a a boy that lived in Florida who found a deer and uh, raised the deer uh, because it was an orphan. It was a really good story. And um, that and the Sherlock Holmes books and um, Herman Melville's Moby Dick was just too hard for me to finish it, like eight years old. <laughs> but oh, um, eight! You weren't finishing was, Moby Dick. Come on! I couldn't finish it, but there were parts of it that were awesome, and parts of it that were terrifying, and would give me nightmares. And I was like, I'll read this when I'm older. And now I go back to some of those books, and it's like, whoa, this is really good. And some of it I reread, like Jules Verne or uh, Sherlock Holmes. Those I still reread, and they are still excellent books. Oh, I love books. I was I spent an hour at the bookstore actually before this call. <laughs> you know, my son is exactly the same way. He's like, can we just like, you know, I had to put a limit on him at the library. I'm like, 15, <laughs> 15. That's all you get, 15 or 10, right? So like, come on. He's got like this huge stack over there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he would. He's like, how many books can I get for $25? <laughs> he loves now that you can get used books, you know, like on abe.com. Yeah, that's where I was, used bookstore. Yeah, I love, oh, the yep. smell of a used bookstore, right? Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's so amazing. You guys are totally geeking out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, here in Nashville, we have a really cool one called McKay's. I go there literally every week. I love, oh, man, I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love it. That is amazing. So in terms of homes, in, in terms of what prepared you, one of the things I think you were just talking about is that you were at a thinking level and a language level, you know, that you were constantly challenging yourself. And I know that that's huge when you're going out in the world, you guys, you are constantly like problem solving. We're constantly trying to think and, you know, interact and innovate, right? Which is exactly what you do now. And so that's a huge, huge uh, skill that you've developed through homeschooling, right? What are some other skills that you think you got through homeschooling that really prepared you for being a multi entrepreneur? <laughs> well, that's a that's a really good question. So, my dad had this thing where he would submit our grades. He would fill out the grade sheets for the umbrella school that we were part of in advance, and. Um, would uh, put all A's in there, which is fairly common practice among homeschoolers. And he was like, we are Rimbolds, Chris, and we have honesty as one of our house values. And so I want all of these A's to be truly earned A's. Mm. Now, on the other side of that, it's okay if you take a test and you get a B or a C or even fail it. That's okay. You just have to go back and figure out what it was that you missed about the uh, material. And this actually was very useful for me in a, I mean, mastery, that's really important, right? But it was useful for me in a kind of a, a kind of a sneaky way in that I could calibrate 
my feeling of mastery of a topic more accurately for each test. Instead of just taking a test once and then you get that grade and you move on. Instead, I would learn what it feels like to actually understand a topic and have the ability to use that information in a practical way and demonstrate that on a test. And having that calibration of whether or not my uh, feeling of mastery matches the reality has proven very important for me in uh, entrepreneurship because I know if I'm weak in an area in uh, one of my businesses and I know what it feels like to not be weak in that area. So I have uh, more of an earned confidence because it's easy to be confident um, in a topic, but that confidence sometimes doesn't match reality. And it's also even easier, I would argue, to be unconfident in an area that you actually are proficient in. So mm -hmm. uh, calibrating, uh, knowing whether you're good at something and, and whether that will stand up uh, when you when the rubber meets the road is very important. And that really helped me. That and the habit of just trying until I actually could um, pass the test was that was foundational. I love that. And I love that your dad was like, hey, look, you're going to fail. It's fine. Right. Like, it's mm -hmm. totally cool. And that's yeah. the beauty of homeschooling is that you can go back. I've never given my son a grade for anything. But what we do is we say, OK, here's where okay, this problem, math problem didn't work out right. So let's figure out like how, you know, let's look at it again. It's what we always say. Let's just figure it out again. Let's relook at it. Right. And that is such a useful skill when you're saying, yeah, we can go into the world and say, okay, this something I don't understand here, something I messed up or, you know, let's reevaluate it and let's create that mastery, like you said. And, and, and for failing forward, right? Failing forward. We're, yeah. We're That's how life works. Yeah, it's how life works, right? It's okay to do that. And that that feeling of oh, it's okay to fail, like that's huge because in school, we don't normally get that. We get the like, oh, you failed, that's it, you're done, right? Because we don't have time to go back as a teacher, a public education teacher. When I was yeah. teaching high school, I was like, I'm not going to go back and re-give a test to every single kid, you know, just because they got one or two or whatever problems incorrect or something. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I don't have time. We don't even have time for the stuff we're supposed to do, much less go back and retest everybody. So to have the ability to do that is is really, again, subconscious, right? Like you said, it became something that just became part of you and love yeah, that. And, yeah. And it also taking a absolutist approach to you failed or you've succeeded also has the unfortunate effect of having like an unhealthy construction of ego. So yeah. you identify as a winner or you identify as a loser when instead you could just not identify as either of those things and instead just have a habit of, well, if something's interesting to you, you're going to get it right eventually. Yeah, that's exactly what you were talking about before with the confidence. And I love that because you're like, you have this confidence yeah. of, I can learn it. I don't care if I know it now or, you know, I'm good at it now. I can get better and I can learn it to mastery, no matter what. I, and that's such a huge skill because you can say in public school is a lot of like, oh, well, you're not a very good writer. I know I got that even in college. <laughs> I was an English major. Seriously. I was an English major with a teaching, you know, emphasis. And in my papers, oftentimes my professors, I even had one professor that was just, oh my gosh, she was something else. She worked a lot with grad students. And so for her, an undergrad was like, oh, you're so you know, juvenile. <laughs> and so my papers, I never use like really high level, you know, fancy vocabulary. I sure. was very practical. And so her, 
her, I remember one comment she put on my paper was, it's good. It's not as good as some of the heavies she's put in quotes, but it's okay. And she literally told another English major friend of mine that in her office hours that, you know, she couldn't believe he was an English major because of how he wrote, you know, and like how those kind of comments just really as a teacher, they make me incredibly insanely upset because those are confidence building, right? Those are the confidence things that you get that you hold on to. I always thought yeah. oh, I wasn't a good writer because, oh, you know, I just use a simple language or something in all my papers. And she wasn't the only one to say that, but not in that way. People were nicer otherwise. But then as then I got into doing, you know, developing the Freedom Scholar and I started blogging and I was like, I actually really love writing. And I'm actually pretty decent at it. I'm not like, you know, super high level vocabulary, but that's not what people want to read. That's not accessible. And writing it grows over time as you read more, right? So I'm not yeah. writing a fourth grade level, but I'm not writing to, you know, like, yeah, I'm not writing a paper for an academic journal either. So Nobody wants to read that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I love that is that you get that confidence of like, I don't know it right now, but I can totally learn. It. Maybe I'm not that good at it right now, but I will get better at it. And that's something I love in, that you come across. So how do you apply that necessarily in your um, in in business building? Because I know I'm I'm an entrepreneur now and in, in, I've been an entrepreneur in various forms for a long time. But how do you apply that in terms of business building, especially when you're just starting out, like say some, you're, you're, you're young and you're want to be an entrepreneur. How do you apply that there? Well, we, to answer that question, we almost have to go back to like college and career. So college was easy. Um, for me, I just went to middle Tennessee state university was an aerospace major. Um, got my flight training there. I have, um, five different pilot's licenses. Uh, and I thought that was my career that I would go into just because I fell in love with airplanes out in Kansas. Um, but then I, then I realized that, uh, and college was, <laughs> I got a, I think not a super good GPA it was like 3.66. It was cum laude. I mean, it was honors, but, um, that's just because I, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed a freestyling a little bit on my papers, but, um, me too, man. <laughs> yeah. And then after college, I, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to have an aviation career because um, I want to have actual relationship with someone who could like become my wife. I don't just like want something where I'm gone all the time. And that was regional airlines. And I also wanted to get rich. Um, I think most young people want to become millionaires and I was no exception there. It's a very common thing. And I was like, I'm not going to get rich uh, being a flight instructor for $5 an hour. And I'm not going to get uh, a long-term relationship by flying for regional airlines. Um, and those make like 30, 40 K starting out anyway, and I'll be gone all the time. So I went, I compromised and I was like, I'm not going to do the thing that I set out to do. I'm going to go into an office job. I went into a sales job in a cubicle, uh, sending Excel spreadsheets that were quotes for renewals on hardware service for boxes that lived in data centers of small to medium businesses. And if that crushes your soul, it should. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like being a rat in a maze, but um, it was very easy. I won bonuses every single quarter. I maxed out my quota, um, would hit regularly like 110, 120% of quota. 
And um, one company-wide awards was recognized by the CEOs that would cycle through this company. And again, the homeschool advantage of just like achieving mastery at the thing that's in front of you worked out well for me. And it was then that I really to, this is back to your question about entrepreneurship and homeschool habits. It was, it was very soul crushing to work in this place. I made pretty good money. Um, at least I thought at the time I wasn't on my way to becoming rich though. I kind of had hit the ceiling. Um, I was making like, I don't know, like 60 K, which was about 20 K more than the average person that worked there. So by comparison, I'm at 150% of my peers, but, um, I'm also giving up all of my time and schedule to do something that in when I zoomed out a little bit, felt a little bit mediocre. And so I, uh, actually ended up getting fired because, I was like non-compliant with a make work assignment where they would have us like call our customers a certain number of times a day. And I had customers and I had to make 35 calls a day. And these sales cycles lasted like probably two or three months, two or three months at least. So calling them 60 times in a sales cycle would actually bother them. So just, just to make a point, I would like dial like, like a uh, automated line a hundred times in five minutes to show, showed up on the call report is an outlier and that that ended up that 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 bothered them but that that kind of made it easy for them to say you know what this guy's expensive he always gets his bonuses he's a big part of the cost of running this team because he he uh, achieves so much and that's actually a problem in a lot of places with an achiever in corporate is you become expensive if you don't want to be promoted yeah. which i didn't want to be promoted um then they can't promote you out of that and it just becomes uh issue that was probably the real reason that they let let me go but me being non-compliant made it easy then i was like okay finally i get to be an entrepreneur and the sky's the limit here and so i started my own business i started a insurance sales career and it's fully commission only self-employed pretty entrepreneurial because how you get your customers is up to you and you don't get paid unless you make sales so, um, yeah, it was kind of a business in the in a box sort of entrepreneurship, but I ran it differently than most of my peers. I would actually go make relationships with uh, people who sold life insurance and people who sold car insurance because they never offered health insurance. And so I would become their friends and I would refer some of my customers to them. And I would say, what do you guys do when somebody asks you for health insurance? And we're like, ah, we send them to the Internet, healthcare.gov. And I was like, how about you send them to a friend that will make you look good? And so I didn't have to buy Internet leads. I would actually not have to have that expense in my business where I spent money to get the contact information of someone who might be looking for insurance and sit at a desk and dial all day. Instead, people were calling me and that ended up actually making me wealthy. And I got my wish of becoming rich and it, <laughs> it slowly dawned on me that um, rich isn't what I really wanted. And this happens to a lot of people in their late 20s, early, mid 30s is like you want something and then either you get it or you don't get it. But either way, you realize that thing wasn't necessarily what you wanted. And I should also mention that I met my wife at the corporate job and that was like, OK, I love this person. That's <laughs> all you be with her forever. There. So I'm, I'm out. You got what you needed. I'm gone. Yeah. But from there, it was like, oh, my goodness. So. 
I was able to achieve high uh, income and I was able to like buy my dream car, um, which some people will hate on, but some people will agree with me, test model X performance. And I was able to buy a house and my wife's an entrepreneur too. And we were just had this amazing um, like income stream and it was doing very well. But I saw a lot of my peers in the insurance business, like making two, three times as much as me and taking it even further. And I saw their marriages falling apart. I saw them mm-hmm. missing out on all the things that their kids did. I saw them um, trying to find uh, within materialism or status, the thing that made them happy. And I was just like, that's not for me, man. I got to figure out what makes me happy. And uh, it sure as heck is not insurance. And so um, I started uh, researching some things that I really enjoyed, even as a, like a kid, uh, which was computer code. But that's my story. That's a long nice, answer. Nice. And you know what I love that you mentioned as well as you really had a focus. And I feel like this is part of your homeschool experience. Tell me if I'm wrong. But this the the idea of family and wanting that connection and having relationships. And that's what I feel yeah. like people don't talk about enough with homeschooling is that that's one of the biggest beauties of homeschooling is the close relationships and actually having knowing what a whole relationship looks like a real relationship. Yeah, so the the Harvard development study, it's a study that really has kind of been hitting like the Twitter and uh, books and uh, podcast space recently because it's 85 years old. It's been, uh, they studied like groups of Harvard students and people from a really poor area in Boston and just watched these groups of people uh, grow up and interviewed them like every couple of years, recorded them, asked their spouses things and just like study these people for 85 years. It's really unprecedented study. And what they found was that there was really no way to predict who would um, like get rich or whatever. There was, it was actually um, not even an indicator of happiness or anything. Like the poor people would get rich and the rich people would get poor. Uh, The poor people would live a long time. The rich people would die early uh, or vice versa. Like there was no way to predict how someone's life would turn out except for one thing and that was the quality of their relationships and if they had a strong relationship with their family that was very very indicative that they would live long survive diseases be happy be fulfilled and just having strong relationships uh with your uh, with your family and uh creating a family and having a spouse that uh, you have a strong relationship with that was the most valuable thing yeah. Do you, so I've heard of that uh, study before, but I don't remember the name. Do you remember that name of that study? Yeah. It's the Harvard adult development study. Um, if you just look up 1938 Harvard development study, you'll find it. It's very famous. There's a book about it that just came out. Yeah. I've heard of it before. And definitely it's, it's something that, you know, people often ask like, you know, there's two brothers and one becomes actually, this is something that happens a lot in, in our uh, United States history is several presidents that we've had. It's, you probably know about this is that there, there's, um, several presidents. It's almost like a, like a requirement to be president almost that you're, you, there's, there are two brothers and one becomes president 
and one is like actually like in jail or has been <laughs> like that. There's so many presidents in our United States history that have had that happen. It's That's really crazy. interesting about the choices that you make too, right? Yeah. So, and and so thinking about that, I mean, how many like what other kinds of things in terms of especially what you're doing right now? One of the things I think of it, is special about homeschooling is savoring that creativity and ingenuity and you know that kind of like just imagination sort of thing how did you really focus on that i mean obviously you lived in books and stuff which is awesome but i see a lot of that in how you're developing what you're doing now in your um in your businesses so what how you know what can you speak to that a little bit about your your homeschooling experience so I listened to a podcast called Huberman Lab. It's about neuroscience. It's about the study of human behavior and optimizing like your creativity and your drive and your ability to focus and your health and your longevity. It's a very well-known podcast, Huberman Lab. And he has this thing, uh, Dr. Huberman has this thing where he's like, the opposite of addiction is a gradual widening of interests. So if you have a large array of things that you're interested in, uh, many, many pursuits, then that brings more life into your life. It makes things more rich. It's like more colors in your spectrum. And I have been very fortunate that I tend towards picking up hobbies or interests or research paths. Um, and that was something that very much was ingrained in me as a homeschooler is just like, if you're curiosity is piqued by something, we will encourage that. We will get you a book about it. We'll take you on a field trip about it. We'll help you learn more about it. That was my my parents' uh, policy. And that's just the flexibility you have as a home educator, whether you unschool or homeschool, you can encourage the that your kids to have multiple interests. And if something uh, takes their interest, there's not some insurmountable school schedule and mountain of homework that stands between them and that interest. And that is just such a gift. It's like when you look at nature and you see that the the most resilient systems in a biosphere are the ones with lots and lots of different kinds of organisms. We can have that in our civilization and specifically in our country by having homes that have lots and lots of different skills, interests, and hobbies within their households. That is actually an analog to biodiversity. It will make us a stronger nation if you let your kids have lots of hobbies because then they'll grow up to be experts in lots of fields. And if challenges come up or opportunities come up, then there's more people that are more interested and qualified in handling whatever happens. That is so funny that you said that because that's exactly how my early days were in um, like elementary school. I, my parents had us involved in darn near about everything. I have dabbled in a lot of things. I did gymnastics for a while, tap dance, jazz. I did ballet. I did tennis. I did, you know, I was an athlete for a long period of time for um, through high school and college and, and middle school through with swimming and water polo. But I mean, I did basketball. I did, I, I don't think I ever did soccer because I don't like to run, but <laughs> <laughs> but I did so many things. I even hula danced because we lived in Hawaii for a long time. And so there was so many things that I can, I played in, I played piano for a few years and, and it's just really something where you gain such a beauty, um, a healthy respect 
for whatever that is, right? You're like, man, I know enough to know that that's hard. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) My, my best, my favorite hobby that I've picked up um, over the past year is hunting weather balloons. I, there are two launches a day out of 150 national weather service sites in America. And so there's two opportunities every day, usually near where people live, but sometimes it's hundreds of miles. I'm lucky that I live close to one that launches them. And if the wind's just right, it will fall nearby and I will be able to use code and a knowledge of um, how aerodynamics works. I'll be able to use radio direction finding. I'll be able to use uh, map navigation and often have to hike a little bit too. And I actually recovered three weather balloons in the last 24 hours. What? That's amazing. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. So do you, have to, do you return them to their, like whoever launched them? They used to have a program for that, but now uh, when you find them, it just says um, that please dispose of or recycle. They don't want them back, um, but they're cool little radio boxes in a, a styrofoam case with little temperature probes sticking out and a radio antenna. Um, they're actually pretty good development boards. If you're into um, hacking and coding with computers, you can actually use them for things. Um, and they have a little radio and batteries you can use for your camera or your flashlight. It's a lot of fun. That's amazing. I've never heard of that before. That's so cool. Yeah. That sounds fun. My my son would be all about that. That's very cool. I'll have to look that up. So the, um, you know, and the other thing I was thinking about when you were talking was that, that your interests are important and that's something and that's learning too your interests are learning too and they're it's important just as important learning as doing you know the quadratic equation like it's yes just as important and i love that you can do that with homeschooling because it's not determined or predetermined for you obviously you can do school at home and that is predetermined but you can also mix stuff up and you can do, you know, more interest-based or, you know, just have a balance, which is really good. And I love that that's, that's, I feel like is a really big skill that they, you know, that something that you're interested in is valuable. Yes, absolutely. There is somebody, if you're interested in something, there is somebody somewhere that wants you to serve them in that topic. Absolutely. That is definitely something I've learned in being an entrepreneur is that there is an audience for darn near about everything. And it seems like, seems like every little niche, there's somebody that definitely. So as we wrap this up today, I want to just kind of introduce everybody to next week. We're going to have you back. Thank you so much for coming today. I'm excited. I'm super excited to have you back next week to talk about what you're doing now, which is in terms of AI, right? And we're going to talk about homeschooling with AI. And so uh, can you just tell us a little bit about what you're, what you're dabbling in now? Because this, I feel like this really applies to what you learn as a homeschooler and how you're applying your creativity, your ingenuity, you know, your on, to entrepreneurship and inventing things like you do now and the writing code and stuff. So how, what kinds of things, because I know you're like, you know, checking, you know, writing code for this program to do something it wasn't normally doing. And I saw you having like a Raspberry Pi thing you were, you were coding to do something that like I've never seen it do before. We have a Raspberry Pi and I don't think we know. Nice. They're really fun. 
really my fun husband, mini computers. Yeah, my husband's still a uh, he's you know he teaches uh, STEM and Lego robot robotics in um, in middle school. So, but we haven't actually figured out. <laughs> I think we need a different cable or something. But I have to talk to you about that. <laughs> That's usually what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what if you what are what are you doing with AI in terms of um, you know all your your business adventures now? Okay, so I've been studying AI since probably 2018. And what it really is, is just a new way to organize knowledge. And it ends up making the knowledge interactive. And so we could go into way more depth than that. But we will um, next week. Yeah, <laughs> good, good. But what I'm using it for right now is to make apps. I'm not a very good coder. I'm an okay coder. But AI is better than me at code and it can answer my questions. It can help me figure stuff out and it can help me build something that, I mean, I built a app for my wife's project and it took me about 14 days to get it really good. And we had a, we had a minimum viable product ready within like three days that I think about 80 people have bought so far. But the new version is even more powerful, and I think it will. Oh my goodness! The the things that I was able to build into the new app are absolutely insane. But the point is, in two weeks, I was able to do something that would have taken probably two or three people that you'd have to pay probably at least one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. Uh, it would probably have taken them about a month or more, and. I was able to do it in two weeks by myself with the product that costs like $20 a month and uh, actually start making money with it. That's amazing. I love that. And, you know, we were joking earlier, you know, and we're going to talk next week about having, you know, using AI and homeschooling and, and, and the possibilities there. And I, I have to, so if you're a skeptic like me an AI skeptic, then we're going to talk about that too, because I know that Chris just speaking with him has opened my eyes to a lot of different ways that we can actually use homeschooling to and AI to really, um, to do things in, in a more efficient manner or more creative manner, which is really interesting. And so, right. um, and I love that. That's, I had never even thought about that before. Can you tell everybody, you know, how do we find you? How do we, you know, like uh, what you're up to and things? Yeah. So I actually have a course for homeschooled high schoolers. It teaches you how to use artificial intelligence tools and how to make things with them, how to do things like make web apps. I actually have a couple of lessons about how to make web apps like the ones that I'm making and just how to use them for creative expression and entrepreneurship and even learning other subjects. Um, it is called futurehomeschool.com and it lives on a teachable platform. So that handles all of the, um, like the course um, tracking and everything, but it is designed to be a half credit every semester. So if you need a relevant, um, like elect, especially, especially if your uh, high schooler needs a relevant, like half credit um, class, you can actually mine and i add a new lesson every single week because ai is like fruit like if you leave if you leave a lesson out for too long it'll get rotten and not you won't want it anymore it's constantly right. there's new stuff happening so i have to keep it keep it updated and there's a new lesson every single week so that way um you can get your full coursework in well i know my son saw that website and he was super excited to join so he's really excited Sweet. 
that stuff. So you guys. Yeah, it's future homeschool. Yeah. Futurehomeschool.com. Follow Chris. I'm so thankful for your uh, time today and for joining us. And I look forward to next week and your, your story is inspiring. And I'm sure our audience is going to love listening to this over and over again, because I know I learned a lot always. And so you guys look forward to uh, next week's podcast episode. We're going to be talking about AI and homeschooling with Chris again, and he's going to give you all the nitty gritty details on how you can do use that in your daily homeschool life. All right. Thank you again. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank guys. you so much. It's been my pleasure. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. If you're loving this information and want to connect with Cami live, Join our Facebook group, the Freedom Scholar Homeschooling Community. Every Thursday in Live with Cami, you can get more great homeschool tips, how-tos, and resources, and get your questions answered. And subscribe to our newsletter to get your free ebook, Creating Educational Harmony in Your Home. See show notes for the links. Hope to see you live. This is an informational podcast. The information presented in each episode is the most recent and honest to the best of the presenter's ability. Results are not guaranteed. This podcast aims to educate and there are no guarantees of results implied. Listeners are encouraged to seek out and meet their local homeschool requirements. Any products, websites, and company names mentioned in this podcast are their respective owner's trademarks or copyright properties. The presenter is not associated or affiliated with them in any way unless otherwise stated. Nor does the referred product, website, or company necessarily sponsor, endorse, or approve this podcast. We hope you enjoy and find value in each episode. This content is copyrighted and not authorized for reproduction.